630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. 1-1 Yankees Tampa Bay top of the sixth game five of their series NBA Finals game five about to get underway the Lakers can win it all tonight Kyle Turris two-year deal 1.65 per season he joins the Edmonton Oilers Tyler Ennis was briefly an unrestricted free agent he signs back with the Oilers one year, $1 million. So the Oilers still looking for a goaltender and uh, still probably looking for a defenseman or two to round things out. And the breaking news during the show, Tori Krug signs with St. Louis seven years, $6.5 million per season. So looks like Alex Petrangelo will not be sticking around with the St. Louis Blues. He's uh, the biggest name out there for sure. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Hope your Thanksgiving weekend is off to a great start. I got a lot of texts tonight. Uh, 780-496-0063. Again, on a night like this, when there's a lot of people want to chime in, they're not all going to get on air. I do read them all to myself. Some of you guys are very funny, and I do appreciate that. Uh, so they, they do get read, even if only in the, with the voice in my head. Uh, but here's a good one from Kevin, who says, I'm glad the player with all the A's in his name is not on the Oilers anymore. I could never pronounce his name. Hey, Kevin, I think you mean Andreas Athanasiu, who was not qualified by the Oilers. Same with Matt Benning, who signed with Nashville. We just had him on the show before the break. Okay, I'm pleased to welcome back to the program 16 years in the NHL, now a television analyst with MSG. It is former goaltender Marty Baron. Marty, you're on with Reed again. How have you been? I've been pretty good. Today was a busy day for goalies, so uh, I always like that when uh, you get to talk goaltending with the goalie union. Well, that's that's why we want, we wanted to have you on. Dave and I thought we got to see if Marty's available because you always got a lot of energy. You always have good stories and you always have some uh, some good perspective. But but first, I'll ask you about a non-goalie because it's kind of the hottest story right now. Uh, pretty significant, that deal, crew going to St. Louis. What do you think? Well, I think that scares me a little bit because Tory Krug is a very nice player. I, I will never say Tory Krug's not a nice player. But if you're going to give seven years at six and a half plus in this type of economic uh, marketplace with the pandemic, uh, you better get a stud D. And I, I don't think I, Tory Krug can put up points and plays really well. But he's not the type of first-pair defenseman that's going to go out and shut down the other team's top players, uh, like Petrangelo was, uh, like uh, you know, like the top D, Victor Hedman or Seth Jones or, or or whatever, right? So I think that's really rich uh, for the St. Louis Blues to go away from Alex Petrangelo and bring in Tory Krug, who is about the same age, and now you give him seven years. I think that's a bit of a stretch for me. Did you? I don't, oh, I'm going to get to the goalies next. Do you have Do you have any sense where Petrangelo's? going to wind up like is it, is it as simple as he goes to boston now to fill that hole or do you think he really wants to be a maple leaf i have zero sense and obviously i talked to carlo Coliacabo a bunch today while we were on the air and uh you know he seems to think that toronto may be a, a good destination uh but they got tj brody right so now the leafs really have got the, a guy on the back end that they they wanted so uh, does that close the door for Petrangelo? I, I think that makes it less likely. So, yeah, Boston is obviously a destination for Petrangelo now that Krug is gone. Uh, you know, Columbus maybe want to get a guy, but I think they're probably more on the Taylor Hall 
So I think the the musical chair um, is being played with way too many people and way uh, less chairs, and that's that's not fun for some. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's get to the goalies. Markstrom goes to Calgary, six years, six million per year. You know, a lot of people reporting that Edmonton was hanging in there, but ultimately it didn't go their way. Marty, I was really curious coming to do the show tonight because I knew there was going to be a lot of fan reaction, a lot of Oilers fans chiming in. I, I was wondering if, if fans were going to be upset about Markstrom or maybe okay with it. I would say there have been more people texting in tonight saying that, that they're glad the Oilers didn't commit that much to Markstrom, though Edmonton is still looking for a goaltender. Tell me a little bit your report on Markstrom. What do you think of that deal with the Flames? Well, I, I think it was easier for the Flames to make that deal because Riddick is only making 2.75 as opposed to Koskin and making $4.5 million, right? So I think for the Flames to say, hey, we're going to go a little above what we wanted to spend on Markstrom is acceptable because they don't have somebody else making four plus. Uh, but for me, I thought Markstrom was going to be in the five to five and a half million dollar over a five or six year deal. So six over six, a goalie that's 30 years old, he may be worth the six million the first year or two. Uh, but then after that, I think it's going to be a little bit of a decline. You know, there was some options out there. I, I think of Marc-Andre Fleury, right? And if you're the Calgary Flames and you thought, well, maybe we want to go to $6 million, you know, why not look at Marc-Andre Fleury, $7 million for two years only, and the Vegas Golden Knights are willing to throw in a second-round pick just to take Marc-Andre Fleury. So I think that may have been a more cost-efficient uh, uh, transaction for the short term, but I would think that the Flames were, they know Markstrom really well. They played against him a ton. That's the goalie they wanted. So I can't blame him for going after Markstrom and, and throwing that, that contract at him. I just think that's a little bit over where my price point would have been. So for the Oilers now, they, they, you know, they may have to wind up trading for somebody. Uh, we'll see. I want to ask you about a couple goaltenders that listeners have been asking about uh, tonight, whether it turns out to be being trade, free agency, or some sort of deal. Uh, first of all, uh, for example, Dan just texted in. Uh, would Darcy Kemper still be a topic of discussion for a deal out of Arizona? What, what do you think of Kemper? Oh, I love Darcy Kemper, and he's the number one goalie on my list of goalies to trade for. Now, uh, I know their situation in Arizona. Obviously, they've got anti Ranta, and Ranta's at four and a, four and a quarter. Darcy Kemper's at four and a half. Arizona can't keep both of them, and I think they have more value in Darcy Kemper. They can fetch a better return with Darcy Kemper. I think he's a fantastic goaltender. He's big in size. He moves well. Uh, his save percentage is always in the 920s, 925 even. Um, that would be my number one trade target if I wanted to go and acquire a top-notch goaltender. Another guy that I would target if I, if I was maybe the Edmonton Oilers uh, is Jonas Carpisalo. Carpisalo with Columbus is making $2.8 million on a two-year left on his contract. They have Elvis Merzlikens who's making $4 million. So, you know, Corpus was 26. He played really well in, uh, last year before getting hurt. He played well in the return in, uh, in the return to play in playoffs. So I, I would look at Corpus That's a very, very uh, modest number at 2.8 to be able to acquire a goalie that 
would compete for number one with uh, Koskinen. So that, that may be the, the more valuable option, but Columbus is going to want a lot in return. Yeah, that is, and, I, and people have been asking about the two goalies in Columbus as well, so I'm glad you brought that up. Somebody else asked about Thomas Grice, who's going to be 35 in January. I, I know he has some pretty good numbers last couple of years with the Islanders, where they kind of split goalies the way Edmonton did this past season. Uh, you know, I don't know if bringing in a goaltender of that, that age, though. I'm, I'm just not sure. Where is Grice at in his career? I think Thomas Grice is a good, solid backup. I don't see him really competing realistically for a number one spot uh, on any teams. And, and, you know, you saw how well the New York Islanders played in front of Varlamov and Thomas Grice. And I think that was very beneficial, especially to Grice. Uh, but moving to a different team, if we're talking about the Edmonton Oilers, they don't really have the same defensive structure or the same game that the New York Islanders have. Um, Grice is older. I see him mostly as a backup. So if you want to sign a backup and say Koskinen's a number one and we need a backup, Grice is a very good option as a backup. But I don't think you're getting a guy that's going to compete to, for a number one position and then you uh, probably just go into the season hoping that Koskinen is going to be uh, your number one goalie and play well. What do you think? I want to ask you about Koskinen because it's been interesting uh, talking with some of my listeners tonight because I've always thought that Koskinen is a pretty good backup, play around 40% of the games, have somebody else that can play 60%. I've had some listeners say, Reed, you're flat out wrong. He's, he's maybe a mid-range number one who, who he himself could start 60% of the games. Do you lean one way or another with, with Koskinen? I think Nico Koskinen is, in my book, more of a mid-range, bottom of the, maybe bottom half, uh, starting goalie in the National Hockey League. So let's figure there's 31 of them. So maybe he's in the, you know, bottom 10, 12, number one goalies in the league. I think he can play 50 games a season, maybe 55. But any more than that, if you go to 60, 65, no way. I would find somebody that can play 35 uh, games in a perfect world, and Koskinen would play 50, and I think you'd be in a good shape. But, uh, you know, I think that was when they gave Koskinen the three-year deal at $4.5 million, a lot of people, you know, scratched their head, and I thought that was a little premature to give him that type of contract. They were desperate for number one goalie. They wanted him to be it. Um, I, found, I, I found it. it was a little premature. Couple more quick ones for you, Marty Baron, joining us on Inside Sports. Uh, I believe you played the last—I I, want to say three, maybe four seasons—with uh, Henrik Lundqvist, who who goes to Washington after uh, the Rangers bought him out. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist, you know, my impression is pretty much universally respected in the game. Give me uh, your experience. Oh, absolutely respected. He's a fierce competitor, works harder than anybody else. He's a great role model. I loved my time with Hank. It was three and a quarter years, three and a half years. Uh, loved it. Now, he's going from a team, the New York Rangers, where, uh, you know, they, they used to play really well defensively. They've opened things up a little bit of the last year or two. And he's going to the Washington Capitals, a team that doesn't really respect the defensive side of the game as much as 
when Lundqvist was winning a Vesna Trophy with John Tortorella's style of hockey and the New York Rangers. So I think it's going to be a little bit of an eye-opener when Henrik Lundqvist plays in Washington as he's going to get a lot of good scoring chances against uh, a lot looser defensive system. But he still can perform. The issue here is you've got to keep him playing. And so if Lundqvist plays about 30, 35 games and then Ilya Samsonov plays 50, then you're fine because you give Lundqvist regular games, regular action. But if you decide to roll the hot goalie and it's Samsonov and he plays for two, three weeks and Lundqvist doesn't see the ice, at his age, it's going to be very hard to get back into the rhythm and then the performances are going to start to slip. And then you'll say, well, he's done. We shouldn't have signed him. So he's going to work out fine in Washington as long as they play him regularly. And I'm saying one game out of every three. If you go four, five, six, seven games without playing Lundqvist, it will be tough. All right. And Marty, my last one for you. I was looking back over your career. I think a couple of times you were a free agent. How did you or perhaps not did not enjoy the process of being a free agent? What was it like for you? Uh, my first time was after my two years in Philadelphia, and I did not enjoy it because I was three weeks at home waiting for a phone call. I had a few calls here and there, but nothing great. So I didn't sign until July 21st, the one year with the New York Islanders. It was about as atrocious of three weeks as I've ever had, nerve-wracking, don't know what's going on. I did not like it. So then when I was with the New York Islanders, um, Garth Snow and the Islanders gave me permission to discuss with other teams before July 1st. And I talked to a bunch of teams, settled in on the New York Rangers, and at 12.01 on July 1st of 2010, I believe, I signed the contract with the New York Rangers. Everybody was like, man, that is tampering. There's no way they negotiated in a, in a minute. Uh, but it was all done beforehand because the Islanders gave me permission we, we didn't talk numbers specifically, but at 12 o'clock, they made a phone call. They said, this is what it is. We said, yes, that's kind of like what we, we figured. Boom, and it was done. So um, it was kind of interesting. I, I like going to arbitration a lot more than free agency because arbitration is quick. You know what you're getting within a couple of days. Free agency could take a long time. Marty, I love having you on the show. Thanks for checking in. I know it's a little later where you are and you had a long day, so I really appreciate you coming on Inside Sports on 630, Chad. Always appreciate your perspective. Happy Thanksgiving, my friend. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to all you guys uh, in Edmonton over there. Right on. That is Marty Baron checking in tonight. So uh, good thoughts on the goaltenders. Uh, He likes Darcy Kemper a lot. You heard him say that. I, uh, I I think he politely disagreed with me on my take on Miko Koskinen. I think he thinks Koskinen is closer to what some of you think he is. Maybe, uh, as he said, a, a bottom third starter in the NHL, whereas I might see him more as a, as a good backup. And, uh, yeah, Baron uh, knows the Oilers need somebody. I wonder if they could get Kemper. He obviously wasn't as high on uh, Thomas Grice, who a couple of you have asked about. It is 7.23. got to call a quick timeout inside sports on 6.30, Chet. 
right, so Ken Holland's still looking for a goalie, still looking for a defenseman or two. He says he may try to get some under-the-radar defenseman. That's how he put it earlier today. He does get Kyle Turris for two years to be a third-line center. Tyler Ennis returns, obviously a pretty versatile player who I thought did okay in his stint with the Oilers late in the regular season and into the postseason until he suffered uh, that ankle and leg injury. Good to have Marty Baran on the show. He's always interesting to talk to. Jacob Markstrom, one of the big-name signings today, going to the Calgary Flames. Pat Steinberg from Sportsnet 960 in Calgary is coming up after the 7.30 news. We'll discuss that and some of the other moves around the NHL today. And Tori Krug, this happened during Inside Sports. Tori Krug signs with the St. Louis Blues seven years, $6.5 million. Get the latest on the Oilers. There's a story there on free agency. Uh, on 630chet.com, globalnews.ca. Also, some uh, organizational signings for the Oilers. These guys are uh, likely to play in the minors. Alan Quine, Seth Griffith, both forwards, and Anton Forsberg signed as an organizational number three goaltender. Miami leading the Lakers. Lakers just tied it. 22-22, minute and a half left in the first quarter. Lakers up 3-1 in the best of seven series to win it all. After six, the Yankees and the Rays 1-1. The best of five is tied 2-2. Oilers get Turris. They bring back Ennis. They do not get a goaltender, and uh, they're looking for something to round out the D as well. That'll be an ongoing storyline for the Oilers. If they uh, do something over the weekend, keep it on 630Ched.com or our website or our Twitter account. So uh, we will have the latest for you. Appreciate all the texts tonight. A couple of phone calls, 780-496-0063. Uh, hope you're uh, getting ready for a good Thanksgiving. Of course, it's going to be different. And uh, again, I believe canned Han is an option. And if you've signed up for the Inside Sports Podcast, you've probably had a canned ham delivered to your house, and, and you can use that for Thanksgiving dinner. The Calgary Flames, one of the headline makers today, they had goaltender Jacob Markstrom. Pat Steinberg is the host of Flames Hockey Broadcasts on a radio station called Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. Hi, Pat. Welcome to Inside Sports. Uh, are we are we going to uh, be spending Thanksgiving together virtually? I, I uh, would like to... Share a canned ham with you over Zoom, please. Yeah, we could find time for that. I got time this weekend. Maybe we could watch an NFL game on Sunday, have a canned ham, have the game on in the background. It'll be fun. I like that very much. <laughs> All right. I assume that your listenership liked the goaltender signing today very much. Or did they? Because some Oilers fans are saying, I'm glad we didn't do that. That's too long. Yeah, for the for the most part. I mean, there's definitely some who who were on that same kind of uh, who were in that same of that same opinion when they signed him for six years. And and I understand the the trepidation, especially being a Flames fan with with some of the you know not so great results they've had in free agency in recent years. I mean, they've signed some longer term deals in free agency that have not worked out. Tri Brower and James Neal are the two that that really come to mind, but. This one for me, like, and 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 I know that this came down to the to the Flames and the Oilers. It sounds like, and and once the Oilers were out, and, and were no longer in the, um, you know, in the forefront for Markstrom, that it just became a bit of a grinded out negotiation with Calgary and his camp. But I, I think the the reason why most Flames fans like this deal, and the reason why I think it's a really good deal, is because a 
you're getting a number one goaltender if you're Calgary. And I, I really do believe that they're getting a straight up number one, a guy that not only can put up those number one numbers in terms of save percentage and, and those metrics, but also can shoulder the workload for more than, you know, 40 games a year. Like we're talking about a guy that can and, and has twice in the last three seasons appeared in 60 games. That's not, uh, that's not something the Flames have had since Mika Kiprasov was here and really haven't had at a high level since since Kiprasov was elite. So we're talking probably about a decade since the Calgary Flames have had a true number one goaltender, if we're being perfectly honest. And I mean, the, the last time the Edmonton Oilers had a deep run in the playoffs was with a guy who is now in, in Minnesota after his one year in Calgary. But with that, that year that Cam Talbot had in Edmonton, he was a legit for a few years there was a legit number one guy and and that's what the flames are hoping that they get in jacob markstrom and i believe they are getting in jacob markstrom and the only the other thing that i i would say about you know the six-year term where it doesn't concern me like a six-year term for a 30 soon to be 31 year old skater would be is that goaltenders seem to have a little bit of a different uh a different development curve you know whereas forwards specifically but even defensemen you start to see their best in their 20s and then it starts to maybe come down on the other side of the bell curve once they're over 30 whereas with goaltenders you see them really start a lot of the time anyway you see them really start to peak or or get to where they're going to be closer to 30 so to think that markstrom could still be a guy who can shoulder a solid workload and be a high-end guy for the next four years five years i don't think is totally crazy so i i like deciding quite a bit it fills a need the flames have had for all of Brad Tree Living's tenure as the general manager here. They get the best player available in free agency or, or even trade, I think. And and they don't have to give up any assets for them. I, I think it's a good signing, and I think it will make them better next season. I think it'll make them uh, or, or allow them to take a step forward next season, specifically as we wait to see what else they do here between now and whenever next season starts. Well, what's the significance of T.J. Brody going to the Leafs here? Well, right now, it's uh, extremely significant. And, and right now, that's why, that's why I believe that there is still significant work to be done. And if there is not significant work done, and, and if that work isn't good, then this signing of Jacob Markstrom doesn't mean anywhere near as much. I mean, right now, their top four in defense looks like Mark Giordano, who had a great year two years ago had a good regular season this year and then dropped off in a giant way in the playoffs and, and was nowhere near as good as he needed to be in the postseason. Rasmus Anderson, Mark Giordano, Rasmus Anderson had a great playoffs and, and has been a really nice story for them. They've got Yusuf Alamaki, who, God bless his heart, is an is a A-list prospect for this team, but has 24 games to his name and has never shown that he, or at least in the last three years, has not shown that he can stay healthy. And and Noah Hannafin, that, that's your top four right now. And, and I think that's a... Uh, and, and right now, your, your third pairing is completely up in the air and, and does not really strike a whole lot of confidence at, at, at all. So they, they've got a lot of work to do on their blue line. They've got to fill it out with NHL bodies, and they have to find a replacement on their right side for TJ Brody. If they believe Rasmus Anderson is their number one right side defenseman, okay, that is fair, and I think there's merit to having that thought. I do not believe that you have, right now, they don't have a number two right side defenseman. Um, 
Alex Petrovic and Alexander Yellison, like these guys are not full-time NHLers right now. They need a guy to replace what Brody did. And what Brody did was play 23 to 26 minutes a night. Uh, did he make mistakes? Yep. But for the most part, he was a very steady, reliable defender that made one of the best pairings in the NHL. I would say top 15 pairing in the NHL last year, at least analytically with Mark Giordano. So that's a big hole right now. And that's why I, I don't think they're anywhere close to being done. I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, we've heard that they're in uh, in the same mix as, as teams like Edmonton and Vancouver for Tyson Berry services. I, I don't I don't believe that they'd be a front runner for a guy like Petrangelo, but they, they're going to need to do work on the back end. And we all believe that there is still work to be done when it comes to their forward groups. So yeah, the Markstrom signing is great. The loss of TJ Brody is significant, and I still believe there are a number of areas that the GM needs to address here in the next number of weeks and months. Pat Steinberg from Sportsnet 960 in Calgary joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Interesting day. While I've been on air, Tory Krug signs with St. Louis. Pretty big deal there. Um, it's funny, Pat. I, I got a buddy who's a really big Montreal Canadiens fan, and and look, this is a. It's been a much debated week for the Canadians, I suppose. He was horrified at the Anderson contract, and and he was thrilled that the Canadians didn't wind up with Wayne Simmons. So maybe other Montreal fans might feel differently, but that was uh, something that piqued my interest today. And, uh, you know, I guess Holtby to Vancouver is a story, especially in, in this division and, and still waiting on Petrangelo, I suppose. And, I, and from, you know, from an Edmonton perspective, I like the tourist signing. Is there a big winner or a big loser sitting here uh, on the first day of free agency for you? Well, I mean, I, I like the tourist setting, too. Uh, I think that's a really solid value deal. I like I like the Oilers bringing back Ennis as well. Um, and, and I think I think the Oilers did some nice kind of around the fringes work. I, I'm fascinated uh, beyond all belief. You know, what is the, the, the goaltending triangle? How is that going to be closed in Edmonton? Um, because we know they were in on Markstrom and, and that uh, I can totally understand why. Uh, there's belief that they were in on Holtby too, but those two guys go to the other two Western Canadian destinations. So what what do the Oilers do to, to close that goaltending triangle and who do they pair with Miko Koskinen next year? Like, are we talking about Darcy Kemper? Are we talking about Corey Crawford? Are they trading for Marc-Andre Fleury? Like, I, I, I don't know any of these answers, but uh, that fascinates me for sure. The Vancouver story is really interesting. So they decide to walk away from Markstrom, and, and you can understand to an extent, especially with the expansion draft worries with Demko. Like, I, I still think they made a mistake on Markstrom, but uh, we'll, we, we shall wait and see. Um, but the the tandem in net of Demko and Holtby, I'm quite interested by because I think that that allows Demko to be now put into a tandem, whereas last year he was definitely the two this year he can be 1a or 1b with holtby so i'm interested in that but i mean the canucks really haven't done much else and and we know that they were grinding hard on trying to bring in oliver ekman larson 
but that doesn't end up coming to pass. Are they are they going to bring back to Foley? Are they going to bring back Tannen? How many other players are are going to be out? And that's a team that was a shot away from playing in the Western Conference Final. Now, whether you believe that was you know genuine race pace or not, the fact of the matter is they were right there and they were that close to being a Western Conference finalist. So the the, the Vancouver Canucks really interest me. Those that, that would be probably the one that is most interesting to me. And now it's kind of wait and see on, on the, the two big names. Like Taylor Hall, we believe, is going to be sitting back and, and taking some calls and weighing what his options are. Does he come back to Alberta? Does he go to Vegas? Does he go to Columbus? Does he go to Nashville? And then what about Alex Petrangelo? Uh, now that Krug is signed in St. Louis, it, it feels like the door is closed on Petrangelo going back to the only team he's ever known. So are we talking about Toronto? Are we talking about Vegas? Like I, the, I, I, I am, I'm really interested to see now where the two remaining guys go. And I guess the other, the, the final story that was interesting was to see the goaltending carousel at work. Like not just Markstrom and Holtby, but to see Hadobin stay in Dallas was a nice story, and for him to get his three years. I was really happy for a guy that both our markets know well, really happy for Cam Talbot, who's just a straight-up class-act individual, and he tried to rehab his career in Calgary on a one-year $2.75 million deal. He was successful, and he got his three years in Minnesota, and I really like that tandem that he's going to make now with uh, Alex Daylock. So I thought the goaltending carousel was really interesting, too. Yeah, I, I like how you put that, Pat, and a lot of times, even on the first day of free agency, there might be a couple of obvious big winners and maybe a couple of obvious big losers. I, I don't know if we saw that today. I mean, you did a great job explaining why Markstrom is significant to the Calgary Flames, but there's other things they have to do. And, you know, Turris is nice to get a third-line center, but there's other things the Oilers have to do. And even Vancouver getting whole. I, I mean, I mean, is I'll, I'll throw this at you. Is, is St. Louis, because Marty Baron was on in the last half hour, and he basically said Tory Krug is a nice player, but he's not worth that money. It, like, is is are the the is the team that won the Stanley Cup eighteen months ago? Are they most on the negative side of the ledger because they're replacing Krug with Petrangelo? Not that Krug's well, yeah. a bad player, but you know what I'm saying. Well, and I was going to say like or they're replacing Petrangelo with Krug. Sorry, is 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 Tory Krug worth seven times six point five? And like, not only is okay, he's a good player, but maybe not worth that money. And just to follow up on on Marty, but he's a good player, but he's not Alex Petrangelo. Like Alex Petrangelo was was number four in Norris Trophy voting this year. Alex Petrangelo, yes, is is thirty one years old or soon to be thirty one years old, but is still an elite defenseman in the NHL. And and I would suggest probably of that draft class where there was a bunch of really good defensemen, including Drew Doughty. I, I would say that, you know, you're probably looking at, at, at Petrangelo being the best of that bunch. Like, you know, Luke Shen and Zach Bogosian aren't in that conversation and never really were. And I think Eric Carlson is, has taken some significant steps back. So, you know, I think Alex Petrangelo is, is still the, the guy at the top of that list in, in terms of the level that he's playing at right now. And, and that is going to be... So, yeah, I, I think 
St. Louis, after not really having the most inspired of performances in your city in, in the Western Conference playoffs earlier this summer after getting knocked out by Vancouver and then not being able to re-sign their captain and, and the guy who's been there, there the entire time and replacing him with Tory Krug on a seven-year deal. I, I don't love that for St. Louis at all. And and now Petrangelo becomes this guy that I, I, think, I think Stanley Cup contenders or teams that are knocking on the door for Stanley Cups right now, I think he is going to be an absolute X factor. Colorado, Vegas, those two teams specifically. And and obviously, I think you got to put Boston in that mix after they say goodbye to Tory Krug. All three of those teams are right now in the conversation that could easily, in a blink of an eye, win a Stanley Cup next year, and you don't have to squint to see it. And Alex Petrangelo could absolutely be the guy that puts any one of those teams over right now. Yeah. Pat, I know you had a long day, so thanks for coming on with us tonight. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving. I think the next couple of weeks are still going to be quite interesting with free agency and potential trades, so maybe we'll be talking again, buddy. Absolutely. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Thank you, Reader. That is my good friend Pat Steinberg from Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. So I thought he gave a pretty good summary. Uh, you know, he feels from a Flames perspective uh, reasons to be optimistic about the Markstrom signing and to like it. But, you know, like we're talking about here in Edmonton, still some other areas of the roster to uh, to worry about. All right, so Ken Holland still shopping for a goaltender. He had a little bit more to say this afternoon about searching for a goalie. Um, season. Um, we had good goaltending. We got good goaltending out of both our guys. We had a great tandem. I thought it was the strength of our team. You know, if you looked at them both uh, collectively, it was it was tremendous. And and uh, individually, they had their down times. But one, the, the, Smitty would pick up uh, Miko, and Miko would pick up Smitty. And I thought that it was uh, we had no issues. We had, we felt it was the strength of our team. We went into the um, the playoffs with Chicago. I didn't think we played very well throw it up and down the lineup i i we just didn't uh, we we weren't the same team that we were from uh, from january to uh, to march and um you know so when you go into the off season you're always looking at uh, ways to try to make your team different try to wait to make your team better uh, i'd said at the time um, you know and mike smith i wanted to go into the uh, free agent market and explore the free agent market and uh, which we which we've done obviously a number of goalies i talked to a lot of goalies that for a variety of reasons they made decisions to go wherever they've uh, they've gone we feel good having miko miko was a what 917 918 excuse me goals against average played basically 50 percent of the game so certainly i think right now i'm probably looking at a i think most teams look at 1a 1b i, I think if, if if there's going to be a compacted schedule that's game day off 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 you, you, every team's going to need two goaltenders. So um, um, confident, you know, we're going to get somebody in here that uh, um, will will fit nicely with Miko and, uh, um, you know, f- fill out our defense. Again, we're done up front. And then, uh, and then uh, it's got, got, I've got some work to do, but um, feel good about uh, the work that we've done up front. I, I do have some work to do on defense and goal. 
Yeah, so there's the goal for Ken Holland here as free agency will continue. Keep it on 630Chat or on our website or on global television or on the Twitter accounts for any signings that the Oilers might make over the weekend. And he mentioned probably a condensed schedule and and maybe you're splitting the goaltenders even more than usual if uh, the games are really condensed and there's a lot of back-to-backs. Miami up 42-33 on the Lakers, now 42-36 halfway through the second quarter. Game five of the NBA Finals. Miami must win to stay alive. Yankees and Rays 1-1 after the seventh. Big thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of Inside Sports. Angie Quinnell, your studio operator this evening. Hey, hope you have a great Thanksgiving. I'm thankful that you all tune in. I'm Reed. Take care. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.